It's one of the biggest days of the year. When some teams plan for the cup and others plot for the future. It's NHL trade deadline day. Now, with Bob Stoffer and Rob Brown, here's Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. It is 2.06. I'm Reed Wilkins. Rob Brown is here as well. The uh, latest trade, Jamie McGinn to the Ducks for a conditional third-round draft pick. That goes to the Sabres. Becomes a second-rounder if the Ducks win two playoff rounds. The Bruins get Lee Stepniak from the Devils for a couple of draft picks. Stefan Matteau Matteau goes to the Habs. New Jersey gets Devontae Smith-Pelly. John Michael Lyles to the Bruins for Anthony Camara and two draft picks. Shane Prince from Ottawa to the Islanders. Draft picks also involved in that deal. Brandon Peary to the Ducks. The Panthers get a sixth rounder. Eric Jelena to the Avalanche. The Devils get a 2017 third rounder. Chris Russell from the Flames to the Stars for Yerky Yokopaka. Brett Pollock, who played for an Oil Kings team that lost 6-1 to Victoria this afternoon. A draft pick also involved in that one. I guess that's the big deal of the day. I would think so, yep. And uh, the Dallas Stars, they, they've got something going in Dallas right now. They've got a, a ton of offense. They're not bad on the back end, but they want some depth. And, and Chris Russell is a, a very competent top four defenseman that uh, is going to make the Dallas Stars a, a better hockey club, and, and they need to be in, in the Western Conference. There's three or four teams that are dominant every year, and the Dallas Stars want to join that ranks. Uh, we're going until 3 o'clock. In this hour, we will have the latest from Peter Shirelli, who's going to speak at the airport before the Oilers go off to Buffalo. You know what, Rob Brown? One ex-NHLer isn't enough on our trade deadline coverage. We also have Sportsnet's Mike Johnson on the line. Mike, my name is Reed. I'm sitting in for Stoffer today, and you've probably heard of Rob Brown. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm more than a little familiar. I'm doing well. <laughs> it's been an uh, early start and a slow day, but uh, uh, we got through it, and it's, uh, you know, there's always interesting things that, that, that make, you, make you think a little bit, and, and the Calgary t- trade of Chris Russell was, was one of them, I think, the highlight of the day, and I think Calgary did really well getting a, a second rounder, maybe even a first. Uh, round pick for for Chris Russell if they get to the conference finals. If Dallas gets to the conference finals, that's uh, that's pretty good return for for a guy they were not going to resign. So, Mike, this is Rob here. The, the beginning of the day, you're, you're excited, and I'm talking about you and your staff. You're excited. You're hoping all these things go come to fruition. You're like, all right, I'm ready. I know all the stats on this guy, this guy. I'm hoping for a big day, and then it's slow. At any point, or at what point, did all of a sudden you guys think, uh-oh, this might be one of those days where uh, things aren't going to happen like we'd hoped? You know what? <laughs> that is exactly our mood. And you're kind of kind of willing to give it to noon because the West Coast team's got to get up. Everyone's got to take a lay of the landscape, get a sense of what the day's going to be like. But once we got to about 1.30 and not much was happening, you're starting to think, well, we've had about three deals only. We've got to really pick it up to even get to 10. So at that point, you realize that uh, it just wasn't going to be the kind of day that it has been in the past and and maybe that says a lot about where teams are now as far as parity goes and the value that teams put on their draft picks because they have to keep replenishing their rosters with younger players you need draft picks to pick those players and uh, teams are not as willing to to give those away for for rentals in the short term well i mean i've always looked at the trade deadline is is if i'm not going to make this trade in september or 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 in june or in november why would I want to do it now? And I, I think sometimes you get excited. You, you know, we have a chance. You, you give up a first-round draft pick for a player, and then you, you play in the first round and you lose. 
and now all of a sudden all you've gotten was five extra games and mortgage part of your future to get that. Yeah, I mean, that's all part of the asset management. And, and I think that's why you see so few first-round picks traded. Andrew Ladd was, was traded for a first-rounder, but I think that's what the only clear-cut one, certainly none today, the possibility of one for Chris Russell. And, and that's, that's where you're juggling the present versus the future. And, uh, but guys are competitive, Rob. You know this, GMs included. A lot of them are ex-players, and, and, and they want to win. And then they want to, they're close. They want to do everything they can, including maybe being a little short-sighted uh, mortgaging a bit of their future for the opportunity to grab a player that could maybe help them. Sometimes it works out more often than not, it doesn't. But um, we've seen that a lot of them just do not have the discipline to walk away until maybe today, where where many did. Mike Johnson joining us here, special trade deadline coverage on 6:30. Chet, Mike, obviously uh, we want to get your perspective on uh, what the Oilers did, and I guess maybe in terms of today didn't do because they didn't make any trades. In terms of what they were able to get on the weekend, specifically for Schultz and Purcell, your impression of getting a couple third rounders? I think it's good. I think Teddy Purcell wasn't going to come back. Uh, third rounder was about the currency for a you know a decent offensive player. Uh, they got that for him, and. And, and for Justin Schultz, I think it was a, a good deal in the sense that they were selling low. They knew that. The rest of the league knew that. But they still were able to acquire a draft pick uh, relatively high for a guy, again, that was going to walk away. There was no way they were going to qualify him at almost $4 million. So to be able to move him along, get a draft pick, um, give him a fresh start, which I'm sure he would appreciate, uh, wipe the slate clean and, and, and get a pick is that's good asset management. That's just that's, that's good business uh, on both sides. And and then now you have to take that cap space that can be cleared up with both those guys out of there, and take the picks that you acquired, and then take the next step and manage that appropriately. Make the good picks, spend the money on the right guys, and help build your team at the NHL level because there's still lots of help needed in Edmonton. Well, you just talked about there's help needed in Edmonton now. Sometimes as being in the media in Edmonton and seeing this team on a daily basis, you kind of get lost in what, what you need or sometimes you overestimate or undervalue things. For you, who are on the outside, what do you see the Oilers needing to do and do you see which Oilers do you see moving on elsewhere or have you heard moving on elsewhere when it comes the the free agent in the summer or just before the, the draft in the spring? Well, I mean, I think if they obviously need multiple defensemen, probably three, uh, three top five defensemen, um, you know, and, and I think that's going to be hard to replenish in one summer. And I think the Oilers will wait to see where they finish in the season, where they finish in the draft lottery, because if they were to win the draft lottery, which we know is not out of the question, <laughs> um, then they know they have Austin Matthews. Well, now you have, I don't care if you want to put dry cell on the wing or not, you have too many centermen, which would absolutely open up Ryan Nugent Hopkins to get dealt. Not because he's not a good player, not because he doesn't have a ton of value, just because you would have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Austin Matthews. And you can't have that many players that similar. So you deal from your area of strength, which would mean Ryan Nugent Hopkins almost surely would be moved in the summer for a high-end defenseman uh, that they could. If they, don't win the, if they don't win the lottery, if they come second or third and they, they can pick one of those Finnish wingers, uh, perhaps that opens up Jordan Everly again because they have another young guy coming in that can replace what he does, Everly, a more known commodity. Could you deal Everly in the summer to the New York Islanders for Travis Hamanick, given that Kyle Pozo is likely to walk away as an unrestricted free agent? They'll need a high-end winger to play with John Tavares. Everly fits the bill there. These are the kind of deals that the Oilers will be evaluating throughout the summer uh, at the draft and see what they can make happen. 
Well, the fans in Edmonton, are, they're getting itchy, and they want something to happen. And we keep talking about the fact it, we the Oilers' management knows what they need. But how hard is it? Okay, the Oilers, well, they want, you say, three of top five defensemen. How hard is it for the Edmonton Oilers or any team around the league to find defensemen that can play in your top three, top four? It's impossible. I mean, the Oilers have been trying to do it for how long? Half a, half a decade? Mm-hmm. You know, they've taken many shots at it, and... Andrew Ferentz was supposed to be one of those guys, and Mark Fane was going to be one of those guys, and Justin Schultz was going to be one of those guys, and it's hard. It's hard to pick the right one. It's hard to find guys through free agency or, or trades because teams realize how valuable they are, and when they have one, they're not going to give them up. Uh, I think that's why the Seth Jones-Ryan Johansson trade was so rare because uh, two really high-end guys that were young and a team giving up a defenseman. So I'm not sure uh, where the Oilers are going to be able to find these guys uh, they're going to have to probably trade one of their top flight forwards in an Everly or a Nugent Hopkins uh, to, to acquire one and then hopefully um, you know, draft and develop. Maybe Darnell Nurse, if he can go down to the minors, play well in the playoffs, another summer, a little more confidence, and maybe he can evolve into a top four guy. But they're going to be still a couple of years away before they can meet all the needs that they have on defense. Mike, I know you got a busy day, or maybe you just have to go uh, get us get some sleep. But thanks for fitting us in. Uh, I know you'll be back in your regular time slot between twelve thirty and one next Monday with Bob. Thank you so much. You bet, guys. Have a great day. That is Mike Johnson checking in tonight on our special trade deadline coverage on six thirty. Chad, hey, we thought our day was long. He's had a long day too, <laughs> and he probably had to put makeup on. <laughs> And it takes hours taking that it off, really, I tell you. It really does. It's just does. miserable taking <laughs> it off. And then if you forget to take it off, it gets on your pillow slip. It's terrible. <laughs> ah, that's great. 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. And uh, we are going to hear from Peter Shirelli as soon as we get him. He's speaking at uh, the airport as the Oilers uh, depart to play the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow night. Of course, we'll have that one for you. 4 o'clock for the face-off show uh, 5.30 for the drop of the puck right here on 6.30. Actually, uh, did I get those times right? I'm I believe so... that's right. I think it is a 5.30 game, isn't I'm it? I'm just all loopy, Rod Brown. Uh, <laughs> Rod yeah, you... Brown. <laughs> what did I call you, Rod? Yes. Well, close enough. Uh, yeah. I'm rounding yeah. off to the nearest letter. No, I'm not. Uh, Rod Brown is your name, of course. Okay. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, 5.30 tomorrow. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're waiting for the Shirelli comments. We'll bring you those. Uh, we have some interesting stories uh, regarding the trade deadline that we're going to get to as well. Special trade deadline coverage. Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chet. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chet. Okay. How many trades today, Brendan Ulrich? I lost count. There were so many. No, just I think there was 10. Not bad. No, there might have been a couple more. I think there's a couple more than that, but if worthwhile trades, trades that people would know actually the player's going, it'd probably be about three or four. Uh, 16. A bunch of those are minor league yeah. deals, too. Yeah, the Oilers did not make a trade today, so there you go. Uh, we will have Peter Shirelli as soon as we get him, Oilers general manager. Obviously, he decided to be quiet trade-wise today. He did pick up Adam Party off waivers from the Jets. Adam Cracknell off waivers from the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, Brassois and Davidson have been re-signed. Brassois, Nurse, Osterley, and Kara 
assigned to Bakersfield, so they're eligible for the AHL playoffs, uh, but I would expect uh, Brassois and Nurse to be right back up. So there, there you have that. 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. Rob, I uh, want to get to a couple of trade deadline stories here, courtesy of Doug McLean, who's now with uh, Sportsnet, uh, the NHL on Rogers, and former general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets and former assistant coach with the St. Louis Blues. First year in St. Louis, and... We, we, Ron Crom makes an unbelievable deal. He trades Rob Ramage and Rick Walmsley for Brett Hull. Okay? Yeah. And we were getting carved. So I'm home, and I'm like a first-year assistant coach, 30 years of age, and Ron and Jock Martin phone me and say, Hey, uh, Mac, we need you to go on the radio tonight because we're both busy. And uh, we and so I go on the local radio KMOX and St. Louis, and they are carving us and carving me. I'm thinking those two buggers, they bailed on me. They threw me to the wolves to go on and take these vicious calls about the trade. But I mean, imagine that trade. Calgary won the Stanley Cup partially because of it, and St. Louis got Brett Hall, who went on to be one of the greatest scores. And Brett Hall was a 23-year-old who we, who came to Monk from Moncton to St. Louis in that trade that he had been playing in the American League. Isn't it it's an amazing deal when you think back on it? You know? Well, yeah, that, that is a, uh, an amazing deal and an amazing story. Like, hey, rookie assistant coach, you're going to speak for the team on this uh, trade that nobody likes. Well, they were seasoned veterans. <laughs> GM and stuff, they're like, hey, we're not taking this heat. Who, who doesn't know? He's probably at home watching Family Feud or something. Get him out on the radio. Let him take some heat. See what it's like to be with the big boys. Uh, and, yeah, it was. there's some trades that do work out for both teams, and that's what, in a perfect world, that's how it happens, and that's one that worked out for the present for the Calgary Flames and certainly worked out for the future for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, so the, he was traded in the 87-88 season where he'd scored 26 goals in 52 games for the Flames, and they decided to trade him. Uh, obviously, in then 88-89, the Flames won the Cup. Hall scored 41 goals in 88-89, then 72 in 89-90. Oh, and then 86 in 90-91. He could shoot. You know, it's funny, when, when uh, Neil Yakupov first, and this isn't to, to, to cut down now, but when Neil Yakupov first came here, and everyone's talking, oh, he's got one of the best one-timers ever. you got to see. I'm like, hey, wait a sec. I've seen Brett Hull. I don't know. Don't, don't be talking about best one-timers ever. I've seen what a one-timer looks like, and it doesn't look like what Brett Hull can do. So uh, Brett Hull was a guy that you had to know where he stood every time he was on the ice. You could not let him float anywhere, and that's where he'd just float around, he'd find a little space, and then he'd have Adam Oates find him with a pass, and as soon as the puck got towards him, you knew you were in trouble because he did not miss very often. I mean, can you teach that ability to just know where the open areas on the ice are going to be? You can teach it and help, but it, 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 it players like that, they're just, they understand the game better. They see the game differently. Yeah, if you have to teach it, and and you can help guys, but then they have to think. Brett Hall didn't have to think. He just he just gravitated to where he where he needed to be, and all the great players do that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text us at uh, six thirty six thirty. So when you were playing against Hall, mm-hmm. I mean, did it did it totally? Uh, like ruin your offensive instincts on that shift because you were just so worried about him being on the ice? Well, the good thing is my line usually wasn't out against Brett, <laughs> so I didn't have to worry about him. But the players that were, yeah, it, it was. I mean, although the, the best way to, to deal with a, a good offensive line is make them play in their own zone 
So you got to be very good at forechecking and, and keeping them hemmed in. But as soon as they get the puck, then you have to get right into defensive posture, and you got to know where he is. And as much as you say that, those players still seem to find a way to get open. Different game back then as well, though. If you just have to watch the the replays, it was a little more free flow, and the Oilers played like that the other day for four minutes against uh, in yesterday's game, where there's four minutes of three on twos going back and forth. That was the norm back when I played. All right, we got a text here to six thirty six thirty. Did the Oilers try to get rid of Yakupov? Well, I don't think that. I mean, look, I'm sure a lot of this is the thing about trades and over a long season, a lot of guys will come up in conversations. It doesn't necessarily mean they were on the verge of being traded. But, I mean, the GMs are always going to take each other's calls or acknowledge a text message or, or find out, oh, I wonder what they'd give me in return. The the thing is with, with the Yakupov, I, I don't think there's a huge return for him at this mm-hmm. point. So why why give him up for nothing? And he might get a chance to play more. I know a lot of people want him to get to, to, get to play with McDavid. He might get to do that. He might get to play with Nuge when Nuge is back in the lineup and, and healthy. So the people who want him to be with a, a, a more of a playmaking center than a Latestu or a Lander or, or even a Hendricks or whoever, you, you might get the chance to see that. So I, I don't know um, if there was a, a huge push by Shirelli to to trade Yakupov. Uh, I think he got a couple players out that he felt needed to go. And I, I don't think Yakupov, despite his struggles at times this year, I don't think he quite fell into that category. Well, and I think you said it best at the beginning of that, is you weren't going to get a lot in return for Neil Yakupov right now. And this is a guy that the Oilers did take first overall. So you're not getting a whole lot back. You may get more in the summer for a couple of reasons. You have more time to make a deal. But also, he is going to play with Connor McDavid. And it, who knows, maybe he can find uh, lightning in a pan here. Maybe he can get hot. And all of a sudden, here's the video that you're sending over to your buddy who's, who's now the, the GM in Pittsburgh. Hey, look what this kid did with McDavid. Imagine what he could do with, with Crosby. So that you're, I think the Oilers right now are going to really push and hope that he finds some success in the, the, the last little part of this season, playing with a very, very skilled player, and that will drive up his market value. I would be surprised if Neil Yakupov started the season here next year. I don't believe he will. But it, right now, if you were trading him at this deadline, you were getting very little back. Jared says, I like where Shirelli is going with this, bigger and tougher without trading any skill. The Oilers are better with Schultz gone. The Oilers meet... Uh, Pacarinen more than Purcell. Party is a Griba replacement. Cassian is a beauty. Uh, good, yeah, a lot of good points, Jared. Though I, I wouldn't. I, I think you're jumping the gun a little bit there by labeling Party as a Griba replacement. I and mean, this, this was a guy who was a seven-eight defenseman most of the year with the Winnipeg Jets. He is big, six-four, two-twenty, but he's only played 14 NHL games. This season, granted, on on a on a deeper team, he's also a UFA. We'll see what happens with Party going forward, and we'll also see what happens with Griba. He's a UFA, but he was acquired by Shirelli. So uh, I mean, I mean, I think Shirelli might have time for Griba here, maybe on another, maybe on another one-year deal. Yeah. Well, and the the nice thing when you bring a UFA in, and you get eighteen twenty games with the guy, you you get to see what he is and, and on a daily basis. And the Oilers have uh, made mistakes in the past on UFAs. Players, and that's not just recent, like this over the last six, seven, eight, nine years, they, they picked up players that they thought were different than when they showed up. So now you get a little trial of a UFA, and you can see what the, what Cracknell can do, what Party can do, and, and go forward from that if they're a fit 
pass this season or not. Boone Jenner getting a two-year extension from Columbus, uh, two years, $2.9 million per season. So there's a little, another little bit of news today from a relatively quiet trade deadline. The Colorado Avalanche get Taylor Beck from the Islanders in exchange for Marc-Andre Cliche. Huge trade right there. I'm sure that's outside of those two families' houses. No one really knows. <laughs> Honestly, I do you know Beck? Well, the musician, yeah. <laughs> that's the musician got traded? I didn't even know he played the game. That'd be kind of cool. I don't, I don't think that's him. All right, it is 2.28. We got the 2.30 news coming up. We are uh, hoping to get to Peter Shirelli soon. We're, we are waiting just like you are as uh, he's going to address the media before he heads on the plane to Buffalo where the Oilers play tomorrow. Along with Rob Brown and Brendan Ulrich, I'm Reed Wilkins. You're listening to Oilers Radio 630. Chad, special coverage of the NHL trade deadline. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630. Chad. Okay, well, we can tell you that the Edmonton Oilers have made a trade. How about that? But we don't know what it is. Uh, Peter Shirelli just announced it. And uh, it's it's waiting to be registered with the league. And he has been saying that uh, they added some size. So they are, they are getting a player coming in. But it hasn't gone through yet. We should speculate. I say it's Chara because he's got size. <laughs> Let's say that. All right. So Chris Johnson did just put out that. Shrelly says the Oilers didn't end up pursuing any trades involving their $6 million players. So I guess we can count out Hall, Nugent, Everly. Well, if, yeah, of course he wasn't trading those well, guys. Well, just probably a everyone's all deal excited here. again. All of a sudden a mystery deal comes down. I still think it's Chara. Zidane Chara, he's going to wear number 74. It's that's, done. Let's that's, put it out there. People can start tweeting it. It's that's, true. I think it's time for you to go home, Rob. <laughs> it's been a long day. So, so, he, so here's how. So here's uh, you know more evidence of how it works. That uh, um, we're an hour and thirty four minutes after the deadline. Yeah, we're an hour and thirty four minutes after the deadline, and there's a trade made by our local team that we can't tell you about yet. And the GM is speaking, and he can't tell you about it yet. Shirley should be a radio host. That's a great tease. Like, he, he knows how how this whole business works. Brett Sutter has been traded from Anaheim to Los Angeles for Scott Sabarin. So the Sutter family tree getting shaken around, uh, shaken around a which, little bit. Which Sutter would he be related to? Do you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. No, I neither do up. I. There's a lot of Sutters. Brett Sutter is... Somebody in Viking text me. <laughs> Please quickly. Uh, uh, his father is uh, Daryl. Oh, and he got traded to his dad to the LA Kings. Yeah, he's going to be captain now too. <laughs> yeah, immediately. <laughs> uh, I just got, just got a text from a, a listener who calls himself Gator. That was a wasted day off. <laughs> I think you all need to stop taking days off on the uh, trade deadline. Save them for nice, warm, sunny days. Save take those for ones. Something else, yeah. You know what is a good day to take off? Is uh, I, well, I've never done it, but it would be a good day to take the, the first day of March Madness, the NCAA tournament, when there's like you know 
16 games all throughout the day. And all the upsets happen that day. You get 16 versus one and stuff like that. Yeah, it goes from like 10 in the morning till midnight. Are the Masters. That's a good day to take off, too. You've got to take both those, Thursday and Friday, off, too. Yeah, good point. Actually, I've never had a problem taking any day off. I like them all. And uh, you know what? Do we have a game tomorrow? I might take tomorrow off. No, you got to come in tomorrow. All right, then. (laughs) There goes that idea. Okay. We have the trade from LeBron. Here it is. Go ahead. Just want to make sure this is a real LeBron tweet before we yes, it make is. sure it's not a fake <laughs> account. Patrick Maroon has been traded from Anaheim to Edmonton for a prospect and mid-round pick. Really? Are you sure that's right? That's what, uh, yeah. You sure it's not spelled C-H-A-R-A? No, it's, not it's, it's real. McKenzie right. has it too. Really? Okay. I don't mind Patrick Maroon. <laughs> He's played with Perry up. and Getzlaw before, so he has some size and skill. Thumbs up from Reed Wilkins. Well, and it's not often I approve of anything. I'm quite a dour individual. <laughs> All right, so uh, you want to check his contract there, uh, Brendan? Uh, so Maroon, uh, just trying to get his uh, current stat. There, it's, it's funny. Hockey DB has crashed because I think so many people are on it. Uh, Maroon, 6'3", 230. He's 27 this year with the Ducks. Four goals, 13 points in 56 games. He's minus 13 with 54 penalty minutes uh last season he had nine goals and 34 points in 71 games so uh, i mean we, we've seen him play clearly not an, uh, an offensive player i've always thought you know a pretty good uh, pretty good four checker obviously on a good team mm-hmm. so you know that uh lightens his uh load a little bit but there you have it patrick maroon going from a stanley cup contender to the 29th place in team in the uh, in the national hockey league but the uh, the we don't know yet who's going back the other way they haven't announced that yet. Maroon, by the way, signed till 2017-18. Uh, so two more deals left at $2 million a season. So that's pretty good pretty good value there. All right. So, and uh, mainly a left winger, right? Well, he's play, he spent the entire playoffs on a line with Getzlav and Perry. So, for the most part. So that's a guy that can play in the Oilers' top six, potentially. Well, he's got size, and that's what the Oilers said they wanted to go get. And well, we, just, we just saw him the other night playing, and... He was in that game, I believe, on the third or fourth line in that game. Uh, but he, he's tenacious on the forecheck. He's a big body. It's something that the Oilers uh, have dreadfully need. Well, on the top to bottom in their line. How many times have I moaned about the forecheck? You and moan about lack, it a lot. The, the lack of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, they're a team that doesn't score a lot of goals by forcing the puck into the blue paint, for lack of a better term. Well, if, if you were to think of... Uh, Maroon, and think of a, a team in the National Hockey League, of uh, a team of today and a team of years gone by that he would fit the mold for. To me, it's it's a Boston Bruin type of player. And Peter Shirelli built the Boston Bruins the last number of years. He likes big, strong-bodied players, and now the Edmonton Oilers are going to start going into that mold as well. Peter Shirelli talked about it. He said these are the players he was going to go after, and the Oilers finally got one today. And in a, a late, late uh, announcement of a draft, or excuse me, of a trade. Uh, here we are now one hour and 39 minutes after the deadline, and we find out that Patrick Maroon is coming to the Edmonton Oilers. All right, so uh, that is uh, the one trade the Oilers have made today. They also, and now we don't know who they're giving back, uh, a mid, well, I mean, mid-round pick that could be one of the thirds. Who knows mm-hmm. that, that he that he got uh, that he got over the weekend for Schultz and Purcell, or I mean, to me, a mid-rounder is three, four, or five. So we'll see. Um, the Oilers also acquiring Adam Cracknell off waivers from the Canucks. Adam Party, defenseman, off waivers from the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Brassois and 
Uh, sorry, just checking something here. Brassois and Davidson have been signed to contract extensions. Those are the key Oilers uh, headlines today. Before 3 o'clock, we're going to uh, give you the full Peter Shirelli comments. This is special trade deadline coverage on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Okay, so the Oilers have acquired 27-year-old Patrick Maroon from the Anaheim Ducks, 6'3", 230. Under contract for two seasons after this one, you said, Brendan? Yes. Okay, and uh, a minus on the Ducks this year. I know some of the advanced stats guys already putting out that he doesn't have... uh, Good possession numbers, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, we'll 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 see. Um, I, I understand what Shirelli is 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 doing here. Well, I mean, look look today what he acquired: Cracknell six two two ten, Party six four two thirty, Maroon six three two thirty. He said the team was too small and too soft, and they've gone out and <laughs> picked up a lot of beef. Right. So, uh, I mean, and, and the thing is, we don't know the return yet exactly for Maroon. But uh, it's said to be a mid-round pick and a prospect. So uh, we'll get those details as soon as they are revealed. Uh, when Shirelli was speaking, it was, it was actually Pierre Lebrun that uh, got the trade. Uh, Shirelli just said that... Yeah, it's waiting to be filed with the uh, with the league office. So uh, there you go. All right, we have some of the uh, Peter Shirelli uh, availability. I believe we have that now. Brendan, why don't we fire that? I, like I'm, I'm fine. Like 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 we also signed as you guys saw the uh, Brandon Davidson and uh, uh, Bassois. You know, I was good. Like we we did. You know, I call it housekeeping a little bit. Um, you know, for the. Uh, for the uh, for the additions, uh, you know, we got a little bigger, um, including the trade. You'll see. Um, so there, there's a nugget there, Ryan. Um, and uh, I, I was fine, and I and I had productive discussions, and and uh, um, you know, it was it was as much as I could expect. You made it clear that the blue line was a real priority, and and still probably remains a priority. Did, was there much in the way of discussions to make significant moves with regard to your blue line? Not, not really. No, there wasn't. There wasn't any. Uh, there wasn't any stuff that the, most of that, those discussions had taken place over the last month or two. Not today, though. Do you think there's one overriding reason for why there was so little activity league-wide com- compared to a few of the last? Well, you know, like. This press conference should probably be in about two hours because there's a long queue of of trades that are still coming is what I'm told, and that's usually what happens. There there weren't as many during the day is what you're referring to. I don't know. I think there was more... more sellers and buyers, and I think combined with with the contenders being capped out, I mean, that's a usual recipe for for slow movement, Um, and it applied again this year, so that's all I can think of. Peter, you briefly touched on the six million dollars, and, and the and the cap probably staying flat or going down next year. Those three things, sorry. You briefly touched on the six million dollars players being in play, uh, not being in play, not being in yeah. play. Okay, and so that's how you approach today. Well, that's they were in play, so I didn't talk about any of them. Nor did I talk about the yesterday or the day before. Maybe maybe a month ago, but. Peter, what do you have in uh, Rousseau and Davidson in your year being GM and? 
Well, um, they both, in my mind, have developed very well this year. Um, both two players that I wasn't really entirely familiar with, um, aware of just by seeing in past viewings and stuff. Uh, both big and strong, athletic and young and and good kids, driven kids, and both deserve the extensions they got. I mean, LB is... Uh, what, what I've seen is a very uh, competitive, athletic a goalie with size. And Brandon, I think, uh, you know, he's not a 26-minute-a-game guy. I can tell you that. But he's he's you know he's an efficient player. He's 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 uh, he can grind it out. He can make make plays. He's got a good shot. Got some size in skating. So he's you know he's on a good path. Look forward to a little bit more of an opportunity to see Yakupov play. He was hurt for some of this year, and there was some talk that he might have been in play today. But you've got a little longer look here on. Yeah, well, he's he's um, he's with our group, obviously, and we'll play. And yeah, it'll give me a chance to continue to look at him and the rest of our group, and go forward and make more decisions on the whole group in the summer, spring and summer. You made some of these decisions with the American Hockey League playoffs in mind. How important was that? And. This is maybe out of left field, but what about Connor McDavid? Would he ever factor into that equation? I uh, no, no, neither him nor Leon. I decided to make available. Um, it's important, you know. You got to balance the interests of your of your your minor league team because it's an important breeding ground for your younger group. Um, and at the same time, you have to you know you have to balance the interests of the team up here. And and although we're in last place or second last, uh, I, I've made it clear that I'd like to see a competitive finish so I could I could eva further evaluate the group. Um, so there's a bit of a balance. You know, as of right now, we took we took LB away from them, and he's an important part of Bakersfield. But I'd like to see him up here. We give him an extension, and he will have the ability to go back and and uh, and play down there after the season. Are you making decisions in the next 18 games on half the roster, a quarter of the roster? What, what do you say? I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I just want to see the group. And I, uh, the last three games I've actually been happy with because, uh, you know, that's a that's a grittier side of us that, and there's been a lot better puck support and. You know, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that in, in over half of the games, and and to me that speaks to chemistry and it speaks to, uh, uh, it just speaks to the general demeanor of the team. All right, that's Oilers general manager Peter Shirelli and uh, Patrick Maroon, the newest member of uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he he talked about wanting to see the team play with some grit and some puck support. So the hope is that uh, Maroon will add that. He also said uh, really no significant discussions about uh, upgrading the blue line at this point. No, that's an off-season thing. I mean, right now you're not going to find uh, teams are going to give up quality players on the back end. Everyone right now is building towards the playoffs. Defensemen are at a premium, so that'll be something at season's end and before the draft day where you will start to see him working the phones trying to perform some magic because teams do not give up great or, or good defensemen very easily because they're hard to come by. Uh, Brendan, you also had some more information about Maroon here? Well, I know the analytics guys don't like him, but you look at his playoff numbers the last couple of years, Reed. Uh, last year, more specifically, in 16 games, he had 7 goals and 11 points. It was a plus 4 in the playoffs for the Ducks. And yes, he was playing with Getzlov and Perry for a lot of it, but as I was saying, he's a guy that can, at times, jump up in your top 6, like Zach Cassian is doing right now, and maybe put up some points. Okay, so uh, Maroon coming to the other. I mean, in terms of his advanced stats, for those of you that follow the, the Corsi and some of the possession numbers, which Rob Brown, I know, I know you do not. <laughs> uh, it hasn't been good this year. It was better the last two seasons. So, 
Uh, I mean, is this a down year? Is this a sign that he's trailing off? I, again, who knows how he's going to fit in here? Um, he's he's likely going to get a shot to play second and third line here uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, if he forechecks and, and bangs and can free up the puck for maybe some guys with better hands, then that's probably what you you would hope for the rest of the way. Well, very rarely do you do you get a guy that is trending upward in a trade. Normally when they're trading a player, it's because he's trending downward or things aren't t- working out well for him. So uh, the Oilers needed to get bigger, and he's bigger. And I, I mentioned the three, the three players that the Oilers got today, and then you throw in Zach Cassian, who the Oilers got throughout the season. I mean, it's pretty simple to see which direction Peter Shirelli's going with this hockey club. He's got some skill here. Now he's going to surround some of the skilled players with much bigger, stronger uh, physical hockey players. And this Oiler team is going to be a completely different team from what we saw uh, September training camp this past season to what we're going to see at September training camp for next season. All right. So uh, we'll have we'll have more stuff on all the Oilers' uh, trades and signings tonight on Inside Sports from uh, 6 to 9. Yes, it's going to be me again. Seriously? Yes. Oh, uh, you know, I'd love to stop in and see you, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well. Well, what the hell? i got nothing else to do. you got nothing else to do. Just uh, just drop by. So th- this is an, an, an interesting day. Um, besides adding Maroon, I, I mean, committing to Davidson, which which obviously we knew was coming, but, but Davidson um, really blossomed throughout the season. Brassois is going to be, we would anticipate, the, the number two goalie in the short and maybe medium term. We'll see We'll see about the long term. Uh, some transactions today for uh, Osterley, Nurse, Brassois, and Kara to go to Bakersfield so they can all be on the uh, roster for the AHL playoffs. We'll see who winds up coming back up. But now they've filled in some roster spots by getting Maroon for mm-hmm. uh, a prospect and a pick, so a non-roster player, and also adding uh, Cracknell and uh, Party as well. Well, you know what, and, and, and just to go on a little bit more about Davidson, and it's what Peter Shirelli talked about there. They're excited about signing him. They, they feel he's got great upside. Uh, they, they love the type of player he is, but he goes, he's, this, he's not a 26-minute-a-night player, which is telling me is, yeah, he's good, and he's doing that right now, but we want to upgrade on Brandon Davidson. And that's a good thing because as good as Brandon Davidson is and has played and, and his potential, they're still thinking, okay, we don't want him slotted as their 1-2 defenseman. We want to go find someone that's better because right now on the Oilers, nobody has played better than Brandon Davidson on the back end. So if he doesn't want him playing 25, 26 minutes a night, that means his eyes are set on finding someone else to do that. And that will either be through a trade or free agency this summer. All right, so this uh, begs the question, what line is Maroon on tomorrow? Well, it's kind of funny. For 20 minutes ago, we had Yakupov for sure playing on the line with Connor McDavid and Jordan Eberle. Uh, now, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. And it would not shock me at all if it is Maroon that is playing on that line. And now you've got two skilled players in Cassian, and you've got two skilled players in Maroon, and you're more into what uh, type of team Peter Shirelli likes to have. But having said that, it could be completely different anyways. But uh, that that no longer would shock me if, if Neil Yakupov, and oh, I, poor Neil Yakupov, if tomorrow night when he gets to the rink and his name is slotted, not with Connor McDavid, because I'm sure when he went to bed last night and his dreams were thinking, all right, I have, they have been answered, I'm going to be back where I belong. 
Uh, Pouliot, if you missed it uh, as well, expected to be out a while here with a shoulder injury. There wasn't an exact update from head coach Todd McClellan, but uh, not looking good there. Ryan Nugent Hopkins will travel with the Edmonton Oilers, not expected to play on the road trip, which is a four-gamer starting tomorrow night against the Buffalo Sabres. It'll be interesting to see how they deploy Brassois. Uh, they play Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. You'd expect, I mean, even though Cam Talbot played great in back-to-back mm-hmm. games last week and uh, has been brilliant the last three games, quite frankly, you'd expect Brassois to get one of those two games, either Philadelphia or Columbus. Uh, he, he will. I mean, they, they have to play him. They're not going to sit him out up here as a backup and just let him get rusty and then send him down to the minors at the end of the year. They're going to play him, and that's the, the perfect opportunity is in a back-to-back situation. I still think that when you and I discussed it, five, six games sounds about right because they are going to send him to the minors for a playoff run, and they want to make sure when they send him down there that he's game-ready. So they're not just going to go 16 games with uh, Talbot and we'll give you a couple clean-up ones. So Bersaw is going to play five, six games, and hopefully he'll be able to, to, to play at the same level that we've seen him play at the last couple times he's played for the Oilers. Okay, so uh, you can get the recap of everything on our website, 630ched.com. Cracknell and Party claimed off waivers. Uh, Brendan's going to podcast this entire trade line special as well. We did talk to uh, to uh, Adam Cracknell a, a little bit uh, earlier on tonight. If you missed that uh, as well, I'll have it on Inside Sports this evening. Also on Inside Sports tonight, Bob Stoffer's going to hop on from Buffalo. Oh, Jason Strudwick's going to come on the show. Struds, come on. Yeah. I was just with him, with him the other night, one of my buddies. Good man, Jason Strudwick. He is a uh, a good guy. Mm-hmm. He was not traded today. Well, he, he yeah, it could still he was be waived. He was waived twice, but was not traded. <laughs> nice. How can you get waived twice in one day? <laughs> it's a tough day for Struts. That's uh, that's uh, that's not good. Rob, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. No, I'm glad to be here. It was a lot of fun. That is Rob. He'll be back tomorrow for the Oilers broadcast as well. Brendan Ulrich has been the studio producer for this extended edition of Oilers Now. My name is Reed Wilkins. I will be back with you at 6 o'clock. whole bunch more on the trade deadline, more on your newest members of the Edmonton Oilers. The afternoon news is up next. Thanks for tuning in.